Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We are in this year of the Bible. And let me encourage you, if you haven't downloaded um, our, our year of the Bible uh, um, reading plan, you can do that. You go to YouVersion, write year of the Bible. We're in part two right now. Every month we're going to come out with another part. And so um, you can jump in. There's a devotion. There's the scripture reading. And we, we partner with the Bible Project uniquely for us. We're so grateful they would do this for us. We've been working with them to, to identify 50 major events throughout scripture starting in Genesis. And these 50 majors event, major events, they, they give an overarching theme of the whole of the Bible. And the whole of the Bible is that God so loved the world that he sent his son. But we, we get to go back and walk through all of these. And so at the end of this, you're going you're gonna to understand God's heart from the very beginning. And so you can download this and read it along with us. And then every week I will be sharing a message from that, that reading plan for that week. And so really excited about it. You can jump in, you can do it now. And if you haven't done it, you can start now. It's a lot of fun. The Bible Project has some great videos in there for us to watch as well. So we're on this journey and we're connecting the dots throughout scripture. We're connecting the dots of, of what God is doing. We're, we're connecting the, the dots of God's plan, his purposes, not only for him, but for us as humanity and so today, we've, we're stepping into a new book. We've been in Genesis, and we're stepping into Exodus today. And I want to get straight to this. And just to understand, the word Exodus, is a, it's, it's a Greek word that just means the way out. And so God is, is we're going to step into this reading today and this understanding today that God is the God that makes a way out. So if you're facing something today... If you need God to do something in your life today, you need to know this. This is not about you, your performance, or how good or worthy you are to receive God's grace to help you get out. This is about that the God that we serve is the God that, is, that specializes. And when we find ourselves in a difficult situation and we need a way out, he's the God of the breakthrough that makes a way out. Amen? That's, that was a better, we need a better amen. Let me try that again. Amen? It's good. All right. That was great. We'll do that again. That's great. Now, the way out may be a door that God opens that you think, God, this isn't how you're going to make the way out. This isn't what I was thinking. But what we know is that the heart of God for us is though we make our plans, he orders our steps. And, and he is in the business of delivering us, of rescuing us. And he wants to rescue you today. But he also wants us to see that we're a part also of the rescue plan for other people. But the whole of the Bible is about God making a way out. The grand theme of the, of the Bible is about uh, God's, per, God's plan and way to buy back humanity. Humanity that was seduced by, by their own pride, but also by rebellious angelic beings. They sold their birthright of God's inheritance for them to rule and reign the earth. And God set a plan into motion. And that plan to rescue humanity came through a people group of the bloodline of a man God chose. His name was Abraham. And ultimately, through that bloodline would come Jesus Christ, which we celebrated his resurrection last Sunday. But for context today, the promise from God to Abraham to have many offspring, it's happening. Something about Abraham's bloodline, they know how to make babies. And they are making babies. 
Someone just raised their hand and was like, hallelujah. So I don't know, that, that praise God. Amen. And they found themselves, though, after they've prospered, after, they've, after they have grown, they found themselves in a weird situation. This people group that was, that was blessed by God and was prospering, they now, we find them in slavery. And they're oppressed and they're in Egypt. And it's interesting that the children... Of, of Abraham or the offspring or the Hebrews, which later to, or, or the Israelites, however you want to label them, they've ended up in Egypt because really, because it was because of God's provision for them, which is kind of strange. So they ended up there as a, as a blessing. Joseph, who we find towards the end of Genesis, he was a Hebrew. He was from the bloodline of Abraham. He had gone ahead of Egypt. Interesting circumstances, how he got there. He was deceived. Or sorry, he was, he, was, uh, he was abused by his brothers and they sold him as a slave. But he ends up in Egypt ahead of his brothers. But God elevated Joseph to a place of influence. And God used him and pre prepared actually a place for God's people during the famine. And so then at that point, Joseph, because he was a man of influence now, was able to make a way for, for the bloodline of Abraham to have a safe place to be and have provision in Egypt. And Egypt was a safe place for them. But now we come to the passage in Exodus today where Joseph was gone. The Pharaoh and the people didn't remember Joseph anymore. The favor that the Hebrews had, they don't have anymore. And so like most leaders, we find Pharaoh who is leading. He's a new Pharaoh. He doesn't know anything about these strange people, these folks who were related to some, some guy who used to serve in the, in the king's court, Joseph. And God's people are increasing. The, blood of, the bloodline of Abraham is, is increasing. And Pharaoh, the new one, was nervous because, like I was saying earlier, he's a, he's a leader. He's a strong leader. He's a man of power. And like most men of power, he's insecure. He's, he's a wuss is what he is. He's scared because their number is increasing. So he's looking around. He's saying, man, these, these folks are increasing in number. And so he makes a decree. He says, listen, we're going to enslave them and they're going to build our buildings and our walls because they're not of us anyway. They're not, they're not from our bloodline. And so Pharaoh thought, listen, if, I, if we put a burden on their back, if we make them slaves, they're going to be too tired. This is true. They're going to be too tired. They won't be able to make babies anymore. And all the men say, that ain't happening. That's still going on, right? All right, we move on. Sorry. I'm so excited about our food. It's just, I'm just, I just. <laughs> and so, God begins to hear the prayers of his people that are now oppressed. They're hurting, they're under strain. And so, something begins to happen. And so as God's people are crying out to God, if they're like, God, we, we are enslaved, we need some help, things were good, now they're not, God begins to work. And that's what we're going to talk about today, that God is the God of the way out. And we're going to get to know Moses a little bit because 
We're going we're gonna to be, be hanging out with Moses for the next several Sundays. But let's take a look at the story beginning in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the king of Israel groaned because their slavery and they cried out for help and their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Now Moses was keeping flock, which is we're going to pick up in just a moment, of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So that's the context. And here we find Moses. Now, to give some background of Moses, if you read chapter 1 and 2 of Exodus, you're going to find Moses as a boy. He was born in a, in a Hebrew family during a time of genocide. And the Pharaoh at the time told the midwives to kill every boy born to a Jewish family. Kill them. Well, the midwives didn't want to kill the boys, and they hid babies. And Moses is one of these babies that were hidden. And his mother puts him in a basket. He tucks him away and, and puts him in the, the scripture says, in, in the cotton tails on the side of the, of the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter, a princess, comes out and sees the boy. And she rescues Moses and decides to raise him as her own child. And here's another cool part of, of this. She goes and finds a, a nurse, to, to, uh, finds a woman to, to breastfeed the boy. And so she, she finds someone who happens to be Moses' own mother. So this is the context in which Moses grows up in. It's confusing for him. I want you to put yourself in, just in his, in his shoes for a bit. He's raised as a, as a prince. He speaks Egyptian but also he knows he's, he's Hebrew because his mother, as she would nurse him, as she helped raise him, would speak his identity. She had to speak his identity over him. Moses, you need to understand you're different. Moses, you need to understand God's hands on your life. And she whispered his true identity over him, told maybe him stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, because this is how the Hebrews are. They, they, they rehearse their stories. It's how God has, has preserved the word of God over the years. But she would speak how God delivered him from being killed and told him the story about a baby. He went on a great adventure down a Nile, was taken into a castle and became a prince. And Moses, that's you. And she's constantly reminding Moses, God is with you. God's hand is on you. It's obviously God is, God's hand is with you because you should be dead, but here you are in my arms. Moses, don't forget who you really are. Moses, don't forget that God saved you for a purpose, for a reason. You may be in the house of Pharaoh, Moses, but son, listen to me. You were not of the house of Pharaoh. You're different. And it's to this person, Moses, that we find God showing up. What we know about God is when there is a need, when we are going through a difficult situation, God doesn't just do miracles, just boom, oh wow, that's great. In the scriptures, he always shows up. And he presents his presence to a person first. 
he meets with someone first. There's this relational aspect of, of God that we've seen throughout Scripture. He likes to meet with people. Why did God create you? Because he wants to meet with you. He wants a friendship with you. That's why he made it. He didn't make us just so we're robots and worship him all the time. He didn't create us because he had a big ego. He created us so that he could meet with us. And so here we, we find Moses in Exodus 3.1. He's keeping the flock of his, with his father-in-law. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. He came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Here's the question just for some context today. What is he doing out in the desert? What is a prince of Egypt doing watching over sheep? Something happened back in Egypt and Moses had gotten in trouble. He couldn't, he, he, there was something in him. The whispers of his mother was, had stirred some things in him and he couldn't hide from who he was. And so he's in Egypt and something inside of him was, was, was killing him as he saw the Hebrews that he knew he was, he was a part of being beaten, being hurt. But here he is, instead of ruling in Egypt, He's ruling over sheep. Because when he saw his own people getting, getting beaten, he snapped. When the Egyptian slave driver was whipping one of his fellow Hebrews, he steps in to protect the Hebrew. He overdoes it and he kills the Egyptian. And then he tries to bury the body to try to cover it up. In his shame and his fear, he runs away. And all the places he could end up is he's in the middle of a desert. And now as he works with his father-in-law, he's, he's got a wife. He's, I mean, listen, talk about a, a, how far this one has fallen. From the palace to now sheep dung. From the palace to where people serve him, he now serves animals. And this Moses, who is a, he's from the line of Abraham, he's, he feels lost, confused. Maybe that's some of you today. Maybe where you are today, you never thought you'd end up there. Maybe just like Moses, you've, you've been tossed down a river and you ended up in a place you never intended and maybe you've, you've fled from God because of shame or pain or sin in your life. And what this tells me about Moses and what this tells me about you, if this is you today or if you ever go down this road is that you cannot run from the call of God on your life. You can't run from the hand of God on your life. It's a side note this morning, but maybe Maybe this is you. Maybe you've said, I've done, I'm done with church. I'm done with God. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with it all. Maybe you've thought, I'm going to run from it all. But here's what you're going to find out about a God that we're going to continue to study is that when you run from him, hear me today, he chases after you. We think God won't God's too dignified to chase after us. 
No, no. He's got the heart of a daddy. He will chase your butt down and love you until you love him back. So Moses has ran away, married into this family that he's in. He's taking care of sheep, and he comes to a mountain named Horeb called the Mountain of God. Another name for this mountain is Mount Sinai, which he will end up at at a later time and day. But this time it's just the mountain is ordinary, and Moses is ordinary. The mountain is ordinary. Circumstances are ordinary. And so we continue to read Exodus 2, 3, verse 2. There on that mountain, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. The strange thing was, is the bush wasn't burning. So here he is, he's out, there's a burning bush. He's like, That's, it's not unusual. It happens out in the desert except it just keeps burning. So he keeps looking over, it keeps burning. He thought, I gotta go check this thing out. So he walks over to it. It's not being consumed. There's a flame that's happening around this shrub and it's not being consumed. And the reality is this, is Moses is very ordinary. Moses is very normal. This, this is very, but all of a sudden God meets him in a very ordinary, normal place. And here we find Moses coming to, the, to, to this shrubbery. And all of a sudden, things turn a little more weird. And so in, in this place of Moses' obscurity, as he's running from God, as he's trying to just live the ordinary mundane life, and this is what I, I love about God, that God meets us in our everyday life. We think that God wants to meet us as we, we got to do something special. No, 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 no. If you will open your ears and open your eyes and open your heart, you will find a God that wants to speak to you when you wake up in the morning and you're holding your cup of coffee, when you're on your way to work, when you're, when you're just thinking, when you're zoning out and vegging. God wants to speak to you. He meets us in our mundane, everyday lives. You need to understand that today. That the God that we serve, the God of the Bible is a God that encounters people in their normal days. And so God encounters Moses in his normal day. In his place of obscurity. And so God shows up. And he begins to make Moses' ordinary life very extraordinary. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out from the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Now this is where it gets weird. Not only is the shrub not burning, not being consumed, the shrub has a voice. Not only does the bush have a voice, here's what's crazier. The bush knows my name, Moses has to think. The bush knows my name. So things just went from very ordinary to extraordinary. Verse 5, then he said, the voice said, do not come near. Take your sandals off of your feet. For the place in which you are standing is holy ground. Now this is a very frightening thing to hear from a bush. 
<laughs> totally freaking out. Like he's like, I'm gonna go see this bush. Moses, Moses, bush has a voice, knows my name, and just told me to take my shoes off. This is weird. And so at this moment, you think, wow, was Moses on the spiritual high? Was he like, oh, yes, yes, God is meeting No, he's freaked out. He's scared to death. I think at this point he would do whatever the bush said. What, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Because he probably didn't want to die. He's thinking, what in the world is this? So this, this is the encounter from ordinary to extraordinary. Verse 6, and he said, the voice said, I am the God of your father. Now listen, listen. God begins connecting Moses back to the whispers of his mama. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then it says, and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Moses knows why he's out in the middle of the desert, doesn't he? He's a murderer. And then God starts connecting him to the virtues that his mom would instill into him. You're from a bloodline of faith. You're from a bloodline that is chosen by God. You're from a bloodline of good people. You're from a bloodline of Joseph who, who used to rule in the palace. And hey, that's God's hand is on your life. God's hand is on your life. And now Moses feels like a failure compared to all of those narratives. He's just out in the desert watching sheep. And God begins, hey, I'm the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Moses hides his face. It didn't say he didn't hide his face until God started connecting him to his true identity. And he hid his face. At this point, there's no misunderstanding who's speaking. This is not a, a bush with a voice. This is God who is meeting him. And he knows. God knows where I am. God knows my name. God knows my family. And God begins connecting him. And Moses reacts and has to be thinking this. He, he, he knows this. He says, well, if God knows exactly where I am on this mountain in the middle of this ordinary desert with these ordinary stupid sheep, if he knows my name, he knows everything about me. He knows what I've done. He knows where I've been. He knows my failures. He sees me. He sees everything. And when he realizes all of this, all he can do is hide his face. If most of us would stop here and say, yes, that's God, and I should just hide my face from him because I'm a failure. I've failed. I've blown it. I've done things that I'm embarrassed about. I've, I've failed in areas that I, other people even know. And we would just hide our face. 
But God doesn't allow Moses to stay there. I love Moses' response. It's a, part of it is a very just real humanistic thing that, that you would do knowing these aspects, being in, in the presence of God. And Moses, though, hides his face. But something I do admire about Moses is that he did respond to the presence of God. He did draw near. He did take his sandals off. He did interact. He didn't ignore it. He did respond. Though this is probably a response out of his, out of his own brokenness and his own heart and really probably out of respect and fear and all kinds of things. But you know what? He did respond. Many times we can encounter God's presence in our life where he meets us. And, and there are many ways to respond. You can weep in God's presence when he meets you. You can shout. You can have peace. You, there can be conviction. There can be encouragement. But for us now under the new covenant because of Christ, we experience God's presence often. We can become so familiar with it that we don't even respond at all. And what God wants to remind us today as we come to Moses is that God's presence, it doesn't matter how we respond to it, but we are to respond as his creation. We are to draw near to him. We are to be a part of what he is doing. As we continue in this year of the Bible, I, I want to encourage you, respond to what you sense God saying. That could be kneel before him. That could be laughing. That could be gratefulness, that, but allow his presence to move in you and then allow yourself to respond to whatever God is doing. The fact is this, you need to know that God's presence ushers you into, sorry, the sacrifice of Jesus ushers you into the presence of God. That just last week we celebrated that through Christ we can have a relationship with God. Whom by, uh, with God, like by, by the, whom his, he spoke and the universe exists. And I, I want the presence of God to be something that's normal in my life, but I want to respond to the presence in a way that I'm always responding to what God is doing in my life. This is what's called growing with God. This is what's called allowing his presence to, to shape us and disciple us and conform us. That we would know that because of Christ, friends, listen, listen just real quick. This isn't in my notes. I just, I just, I, what we forget many times when we are justified by Jesus Christ, we respond to God's presence like Moses. But scripture says that because of Jesus, now listen, when you put your faith in Christ and you believe that he died for your sin, what happens is you then take on the righteousness of Jesus. You take on the righteousness of Jesus. Where does your sinful nature go? It is, it is covered by the righteousness of Jesus. Your sin, the penalty you deserve, Jesus took it all. And now by your faith in Christ, 
Scripture says that now you can come boldly into the throne room of God and into the presence of God. But most of us don't understand. We stay outside. We stay outside and we think, I can't go there. I'm, I'm like Moses. I just, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm filthy and I, I had a bad thought and I did something wrong and I, and, and I, and I failed. And, and, and God is saying, come, come in, righteous one. Come in. You are justified by Jesus. What that means is Jesus justified you. You did nothing to justify you. In other words, God looks at you like he looks at Jesus. But we act and respond like Moses. And we hide our faces. God's inviting you into his presence. So Moses is hiding his face. And so God hasn't set up this encounter to consume Moses. God doesn't meet with us to consume us because he ticked at us, but because he wants to use Moses. God wants to be close to you and me, not to consume us because he can't stand us, but he wants to bless us and use us. This isn't a power play by God in this chapter, nor is it a power play to you to destroy Moses or to hurt you. In this encounter, God wants to remake Moses. He wants to redeem Moses. He wants to take Moses back to the place of his worst failure and redeem it and do it over again. And ultimately, through what God's doing, going to do with Moses, he ultimately wants to, yes, rescue Moses, but he wants to use Moses to rescue you. And rescue, ultimately, the children of Israel, which later will come through Jesus Christ, but it ultimately, it's about God's rescue story. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus Moses is a foreshadowing, he's a type, he's a shadow of what Jesus will come and rescue all the people of the world through his sacrifice. But before God's people can be rescued, the people of, of the world can be rescued, God begins with Moses being rescued. And this is where we find it. So many people, though, paint a picture of, of God the one who's mad the, mad, the one who wants to snuff you out, the one who wants to punish you for your failures because of how disappointed he is in you. My friend, God doesn't reveal your sin to humiliate you. He doesn't challenge you to discredit you. He encounters you to use you because he sees things in you you don't see in yourself and he wants to use you, he wants to heal you and he wants to redeem you and restore you like he's going to do with Moses. That's what he wants. Because God is the God who makes a way out. God continues, Exodus 3, verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, 
the Jebusites, which we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go into this. Who are those people? And why does God ask the Hebrews to annihilate some of them? It goes back to the corruption on their lives. But verse 9, and now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So Moses goes, this is fantastic, God. God, you have a plan to rescue. Those are my people. You're right. Okay, all right, God. Yes, you're going to go rescue them? Yes. I've got relatives there. Go get them, God. This is going to be great. God, I thank you for caring for my people. Thank you for loving my people. God, you're so good. You're so good. He took an offering up with himself. God, thank you. You're so good. And then God says, verse 10, you're right. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is one of those moments where, <laughs> where Moses is like, yes, God, oh, yes, God, yeah. And then, excuse me. It's like someone that, you know, like asks you to do something and you don't want to do and you just sit there silence and they just are shaking their head, yes. Uh-huh. You're like, I don't want to do it. They're like, yeah, you're going to do it. That's fine. And when you read this, you have to ask the question, like, okay, God loves his people. The promise of Abraham is, this is his rescue plan is, is, is in the heart of these people who are in slavery, right? So if God's rescue plan for the world is to bring forth his son through this bloodline, which scripture says is true, why doesn't God just do it himself? Why didn't God just show up and just like, kick Pharaoh in the head and just take everybody away. Like, why didn't he do that? I'll tell you why. The theme of God from the very beginning of the garden to, to today, we see a God that doesn't want to do things alone. He doesn't, he doesn't do miracles in the vacuum by himself. He does them with people. That's the kind of God we serve. God is, he's, incre he's, he's, in, he's incredibly relational. And he goes to Moses. He says, he says this, you're going to go back and I'm going to deliver them. Moses is like, real quick, is it necessary for the first part? Because you're going to do it. Why do I have to go? Like, really? That's how God works. He never does anything alone. You know, I don't believe that. Read the Bible. It's the same today. He wants to work miracles in our lives, in our midst, but he invites you to be part of the process. Why? Because he's relational. God, in his incredible ways, the whole purpose, he's going to make things right again on the earth through, through Jesus. He's going to do it by using the very people, though. Think about it. The very people who messed it up in the first place. Us. But he's going to use us. 
He knows that by us cooperating with him, that's how we're going to have purpose. That's how we're going to, to see really who he is and his love for us. That's how we're going to be healed by him. That's how you're going to be set free and delivered. That's how you're, you're going to break out of all of the weird, insecure stuff that goes on in every one of our heads that we, we rehearse the narrative because of what our parents said or what we believe or, or something we read or the comparison game of, of everything online and everything on social and everything. And we get so just focused on self and God says, uh-uh, uh-uh, you, you are looking to the wrong thing to to give you value, God says, if you'll do it with me, I'm going to blow your mind and change your world. It's, it's incredibly messy, incredibly messy that God would choose to do that. But it's his grace. Back to Exodus. God shows up to Moses and now he's sending him back and asking him to do things that seem really unfair. And Moses says to God, verse 11, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring children of Israel out of Egypt? This is a fair question. I, who am I? Like, I'm, I'm a nobody. I ran from there for a reason. They didn't like me. They wanted to kill me. I failed as an Egyptian and I failed as a Hebrew. Double failure. So really what he's asking is, why me? Like God, like Egypt's the place of my greatest pain, my greatest rejection. And you're asking me to confront the most, my, the most powerful king on the planet that I'm related to somehow. I'm, I'm, I, it, we're connected. I'm, I'm wanted for murder. I, king, I killed one of the king's men. Moses is, has to be thinking, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. This is like... It's like God saying to you, like, hey, listen, I want you to go to North Korea and wear a Jesus T-shirt and start passing out Bibles. You know, this, ain't gonna win. this is not going to end well, God. <laughs> you do know that, right? <laughs> this is, that's like Moses. This ain't going to end well. And Moses is afraid, and rightfully so. God says to Moses, though, I, I want you to just hear this today. And all of us today, where we are, what we're going through, what we're facing this is the most important phrase that changes everything. You ready for it? God says, oh, but Moses, remember, I will be with you. <laughs> Moses, you're right, it's a suicide mission, you're right. You're right, you have no hope. You're right, you'll never pull it off by yourself, but I will be with you. Oh, it changes everything. What we forget is this. We see everything else. We see it accurately sometimes. We see our challenges, we see what we're going through, we see our own failures, it's accurate. We wrestle with the, the thoughts in our minds about ourselves. We, we see the impossibility of it. We, and we, we see every, like Moses, we see it right. And we face life and go through life 
rehearsing the reality of our lives without God. But what we have forgotten is that we have put our trust in a God who says, but I will be with you. And so we allow circumstances to dictate our decisions instead of the God who's actually with us. And so the outcomes we get in our life are the outcomes because we, have, we, we, are, we are making our decisions based off of, like Moses, but who am I? If Moses made the decision of who am I, he wouldn't have went. Moses made a decision, uh, they're going to kill me. He wouldn't have went. But what made the difference is God says, Moses, but I will be with you. So much of our pathway, so much of our impact, so much of our lives is dictated by what we know about us. But we have forgotten. We serve a God who is with us. Our life isn't empowered by our own strength. It's empowered by the God who's with us. The outcome of our life, the outcome of what he asks us to do or the opportunities in front of us isn't dictated by our own brokenness and our own, who am I? Well, nobody, never mind then. No, it's dictated. If we can do it right, we can live a supernatural life where we go from ordinary like Moses to extraordinary because our faith isn't in us. It's in the God who is with us. God says, I'm with you, Moses. God says to you today, no, 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 I, I, I am with you. I've, I've saved you through my son. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're my child. You, I, you are, I, I am with you, you are with me. And we go, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I believe all that stuff, but all I know is I look myself in the mirror and I'm, I'm broken, I make stupid decisions, I fail, I hurt the people around me I love the most, or I, 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 I compromise in these areas. I, God, I, don't, I can't, I can't. He's like, I'm with you. Don't stay in the desert. Don't stay in your ordinary. Let God lead you. Not from who you are but from whom he is. And that is a God who loves you. And here we have Moses encountering God. And it starts, the miracle with him seeing himself differently starts with him being with God. We have been brought into the presence of God. We've been brought into knowing who God is. We are not to keep ourselves distant from God because we hide our faces because of our inadequacies. But we're to trust the Bible is true that we have been justified by Christ. By Christ. Everybody say, by Christ. So, if the Bible says I'm justified by Christ, why don't I recognize God is with me now? I'm not defined by my failures. I'm defined by, well, he says I'm justified. Moses 
had to come to grips with the reality is, is it's not me who's going to do this. It's God who says, I'm with you. And this is the beauty of all of these incredible encounters in scriptures there, especially in the Old Testament. This, uh, you, see, you see Moses who really in scripture, Jesus who later to come is the new Moses. As God led Moses from ordinary to extraordinary, Jesus leads those who put their faith in him from ordinary to extraordinary. Jesus, the new Moses, now leads, Jesus leads his people into the promised land. Moses led his people into the promised land, which was of dirt. Jesus leads us to a promised land that is not of earthly, an earthly realm or an earthly kingdom. He leads us now into heavenly realms. He doesn't seat us in a promised land that is articulated and has rivers. He seats us, according to scripture now, with we are seated with Christ in high places with God himself he has brought us into the land that's flowing not with milk and honey it is flowing with grace and mercy in our lives Jesus is the new Moses and he came God's the God who specializes in leading us and taking us and showing us the way out. What are you trapped in today? What do you find yourself, maybe you're, maybe you're trapped where Moses is, maybe you're running from something. Today God wants to lead you out. Maybe you're trapped in, in an addiction Today, God wants to meet you and lead you out. Maybe you feel totally just like you're hiding your face because of some failure. God wants to lead you out. Maybe you're dealing with, with some things in your own mind. You can't, you can't get over it. It just keeps, it's, it, there's a stronghold of thinking where you just keep thinking the same thing and it's destructive to you. Friend, God wants to lead you out. Maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you, you find yourself in a spiritually dry place and you've just come just to the reality of, you know what, this is just the way it is. Uh-uh, no, it's not because God is with you and it's time for you to walk with God and follow him for your way out. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's whatever it is. God's the God who leads the way out. And we see this in Moses, but we taste it in Jesus. He came to bring us out. And here's, here's the tragedy. And I'll close with this. Here's the tragedy. We're already, we, we have already been led out of whatever has plagued us. We've already been forgiven. We've already been set free. We've already, we've already have access to that 
peace and deliverance. It's already there. He's already purchased it. He's not going to come and die on a cross again to set us free. We just, what the issue is, we still believe like Moses that we need to hide our faces from God, that he really doesn't want to meet us. He really doesn't want to change us. He really doesn't want to move in our life. He really doesn't want to, want to do things with us because we're stuck here. And God says, I want you to lift your face from hiding it. I want you to look me square in the eyeballs. And I want you to hear this. I, God says, is I am with you. And I want you to leave where you are and come with me to something that, ex- that is extraordinary and will change your life and will set you and generations free if you'll just follow me. And so today is the beginning of your way out. And God wants to meet you. If you can, let's just bow our heads today. Lord, we recognize today that you've identified these things in our life. Lord, we recognize today like Moses, we don't see what you've actually done for us. We don't see that actually you are with us. We know it, but we haven't fully surrendered to the reality of it. So Lord, today, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person that's here and watching online, that they are bound and trapped. Could be trapped in shame, could be trapped in unbelief could be trapped in not understanding or not seeing that, God, you're with us. You're with them. They're already redeemed. They're already saved. They're already justified. Could be today that they are trapped. Maybe someone is here today and you're, you're like the Hebrews who are absolutely enslaved to sin and you need a deliverer. But it's not Moses. It's Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you, you are emotionally trapped and you need God to make a way out. Maybe you are mentally trapped and you need God to make a way out. Maybe you are facing a physical entrapment and you need God to make a way out. If that's you today, just agree with me in prayer today. Lord, today I ask you that you would deliver me from this entrapment. Deliver me, Lord. Lord, I ask you today that you would help me to not be consumed with my, the view of my own life and my own being and my own shortcomings, that I would be consumed with who you are. That with me, God, I recognize it's impossible But Jesus, you said with you, all things are possible. So Lord, today, I ask you for the sake of your precious people that you would bring deliverance to their minds, their hearts, their emotions, their bodies, their marriages, all the aspect of who they are, that they would lift their face from hiding from you and they would see you for who you are, that you are their deliverer. You are their Moses, but really, It is you, Jesus. So, Lord, we receive today, 
And from this moment forward, God, we take the steps to be in your presence, to meet with you, to begin to to understand that more can accomplish in a moment meeting in your presence and believing what you say to me in your word. And Lord, as we, as we lean into the word of God, as we read it, God, let your presence transform our hearts, transform our minds. That your presence would remind us that you are with us, that your presence would speak to us, that you want to do something crazy and awesome in our lives. And so, Lord, today, we make a commitment to be with you. And we make a commitment to believe what you say about us and to act from that truth, not from the truth in my own heart and mind. And so, Lord, today, we cooperate with you and we step out of where we are because you made a way out. So move in our lives. If you're here today and every head just remained bowed, if you recognize today that you are entrapped and lost in slavery in need of Jesus and you want to receive him today and be delivered by him today, if you want a new life, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right where you are, right where you are. If you have not accepted Jesus, thank you, thank you. Just hold it up, nobody's looking around, thank you, bless you, bless you. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. We're all gonna pray it together just out of a prayer of acknowledging that you're coming to alignment with, with what Jesus has done for you. And so let's pray today. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising, raising from the dead for me. Thank you for doing it in my place. I put my trust in you today. I believe what you say about me, that I am justified and I am saved. From this moment forward, do extraordinary things with me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today? <clears throat> well, family, I love you dearly and I'm grateful for you. If you can, stand to our feet and everybody say, I'm ready for some food in the name of Jesus. Next time we're gonna do tacos because it's my favorite. But this time we're gonna do we're gonna do burgers. <laughs> hey, we're gonna say grace. And let me encourage you, when you leave here, let's just be a family. That's why we do this. We're just gonna be a family. Hang out, have some food, goof off, and have fun. But I wanna pray for you today. If you can, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, today in the name of Jesus, I pray you bless your people, you prosper them, you lead them. You will remind them today that you are with them. God, may we leave here today knowing that all things are possible not because of us, but because of you. So today we come into alignment with that truth. And like Moses, instead of hiding our faces, we're not gonna do that, Lord. We're gonna lift our, 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 our faces to look to you. And we're gonna follow Hebrews and we're gonna come boldly into the throne room of your grace. And we're gonna live from that reality. So God, today, may we leave here today looking for you to prosper us, looking for you to open doors, looking for you to do miracles through our lives, looking for you to use us to deliver others to you. Bless us today. Strengthen us. Bless our food and bless those who have been serving so faithfully to prepare it for us. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.